You are listening to the Keeping It Juicy podcast. Your main squeeze in nutrition. Don't forget to subscribe and click the bell icon on YouTube so you can get notified every Tuesday when we upload a new episode. You can also add us on Facebook and Instagram at Keeping It Juicy Podcast. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 31. Uh, I just want to apologize for my voice. I'm like kind of congested and sick right now, so (laughs) ignore me. Yeah, welcome to episode 31 where we talk all about diabetes. Yes, diabetes. We will put the betas all up in there. But but we do want to say we do have a special announcement at some point in the podcast, so keep listening to the whole thing. Yeah, we're not going to tell you when the announcement's coming, so you actually have to listen. (laughs) Yeah, you won't regret it though. (laughs) Fun stuff. Uh, But Let's get into the new nutrition in the news. So I kind of stumbled upon this uh, study. It basically is stating that exposure to blue light, and blue light is um, what our devices emit, and that's the nanometers and the color that our eyes perceive it as, and like photoreceptors and all that, it appears blue to us. So basically uh, just one hour of blue light exposure at night raises uh, blood sugar levels and increases sugar consumption and this study was done in male rats so not humans but you know they're doing research on it and uh, this study uh, was in Amsterdam and it was actually presented at the conference in the Society of the Study of Ingestive Behavior so (laughs) I had no idea there was like a whole conference or society dedicated to the study of ingested behavior but that sounds cool I think I'd like to go to that (laughs) it's called the SSIB Um, but there's been you know talk about how blue light keeps us awake and uh, messes with our melatonin cycles which not surprising that it increases uh, sugar consumption or something to do with insulin um and rats so we'll see where the research goes in humans but right and that's i mean it's i thought it was just cool the fact that they just pinpointing to blue light specifically right. versus right. just screen light which right. for the past couple of weeks i've had a blue light kind of like screen over my phone anyways mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. i feel like that that's plus limited exposure to blue light is supposed to um limit like headaches and stuff like that supposed to but supposedly yeah uh i know when i had my samsung galaxy s8 there was actually a feature where you could turn the blue light off Mm -hmm. and i kept it off all the time and everyone was like why does your phone look yellow and i'm like i just turned the blue light off this is what light actually looks like right Um, of course the blue light makes photos look better and just Mm -hmm. things like that but Unfortunately, iPhone doesn't have that feature now, so we've got blue light. But they do have those screen protectors, like yes. you mentioned. There's also um, glasses that I've even right. heard of some companies giving all of their employees to help with blue light. So I have one of those, actually. Do you? It happened right. to come with one of my subscription boxes, and I use it at work since I'm on the screen a lot of the times. Anyway. Yeah. yeah, especially if you're not like balancing 
like fluorescent lights and blue lights from screens with like actual natural light, I could definitely see how it would become a problem. Like I remember when I was working retail and like we were in fluorescent lights all the time and screens from the registers, like you get off right. at 11 o'clock or midnight, you can't sleep because <laughs> you've been in like bright ass light for the past, you know, six to eight hours. So right. very interesting. So, mm -hmm. so I, I was just going to say the study also says that in like, because of the sugar consumption, there's the, they're theorizing that blue light exposure prior to bed can lead to obesity not to pinpoint that is the sole cause of exactly. obesity but, but it, it can be a contributing factor so right. we'll see <laughs> anything and everything man uh, yeah so, um with that being said <laughs> we are gonna start talking about the bulk of the episode which is diabetes so first off well what is it well before we even go into that we gotta let you know there are two types of <laughs> Two, not Ooh. one, but two. So actually, three. We didn't talk about the third gestational. Oh, oh yes. <laughs> we'll probably have to cover that in another episode when we talk about more mother and like pregnancy and stuff like that. Right. But we're not talking about gestational gestational diabetes today because that's more of like a transient condition. Like it comes and goes. Right. It's not and permanent, it, so just like pregnancy. Not supposed to be. Yeah, but. exactly. It could be. Um, right. But we're just talking about type 1 and type 2 today. Right. So the first type, um, which we'll get into, um, is actually more of a minority because most of the United States does have a lot mm -hmm. of type 2 diabetics. That's just... It's America. Been a, <laughs> Texas sized. But... <laughs> so... Contrary to popular belief, type 1 diabetes is not a childhood disease. It occurs at every age in people of every race and every shape and size. Mm -hmm. In fact, there are more adults who have type 1 diabetes than children do, although it's previously known as juvenile diabetes. In type 1 diabetes, the body does not produce insulin. It just, none, no insulin is going in. Mm -hmm. So... Those with type 1 diabetes do not have or have an issue with the beta cells in their pancreas. So that's the biggest issue um, is the pancreas and diabetes. The, mm -hmm. body, the body breaks down the carbs that you eat into blood glucose, also known as the blood sugar, which is used for energy. <laughs> Insulin is a hormone that the body needs to get that glucose from the bloodstream into the actual cells of the body. So with the help of insulin therapy, like type 1 diabetics need insulin no matter what. They, right. they need it. Without insulin, their body just <laughs> ceases to exist. But <laughs> um, So with the help of insulin and other treatments, even young children can learn to manage their condition and continue to live a long and healthy life. So... And I do, like, it was called juvenile diabetes because it's typically something you're born with, so it can be diagnosed rather early, but it can also be diagnosed later in life. Like, I've heard of many adults becoming diagnosed when they're in their mid-20s. Like, right. you don't have to be diagnosed as a child, but the main difference is it's an actual problem with the beta cells in the mm -hmm. pancreas 
And I believe they even have, um, you know, it, it used to be like you prick your, your finger, you get your blood sugar, you, you measure out how much insulin you need, but now they actually have like external, external right. pancreas mm-hmm. that monitor it constantly and produce insulin as your pancreas would. So right. it's gotten a lot better for those with type one diabetes, but it's still, right. it's, it's something you're, it's lifelong. It, it, yeah. It, you're always gonna mm-hmm. you're always gonna need insulin on yeah. you, mm-hmm. and if you mm-hmm. don't have insulin, so a lot of patients um, can experience that weight loss. Which <laughs> I, I am gonna I am gonna point out a case in which um, a patient did intentionally not use insulin for the purpose of trying to lose weight, which is mm-hmm. very dangerous. Yeah, I've heard of that too. Like, because yeah, some people are desperate to. Uh, have achieve a certain weight and manipulating your insulin intake can definitely have that effect. Don't do that. (laughs) Yeah, do not do that. Insulin that you need. Uh, So now we're just going to move on to type two. And this is also known as adult onset, but this is also changing. Um, The youngest diagnosed case with type two diabetes is a child who is three years old and they were from Texas. So, <laughs> you I'm know. not originally from here, so don't put anything on me. <laughs> um, um, nope, but nope, but, you know, they're, they're from Texas, and that was a three-year-old, and they had type 2 diabetes. So mm-hmm. actually, one in 10 Americans are type 2 diabetic, and this is more so a problem with the body utilizing glucose and the body becomes insulin resistant. So this is a totally, completely different pathway and issue than type one. It is a similar like effect, but it's a totally different like way that it's happening. So as we mentioned, it's um, insulin's job to get glucose into the cells, but those who are insulin resistant, this doesn't happen. And glucose just kind of sits around in the bloodstream and it leads to (laughs) just hanging out there. Uh, and it leads to an increase in blood glucose or blood sugar. And right. long periods of time with increased blood sugar can be really, really bad. Really? So <laughs> with that being said, we're going to lead into our announcement. And uh, we just want to say thank you because we finally hit 1,000 followers on Instagram. So that calls for a giveaway. And, uh, <laughs> we all love giveaways. And I think this one's a pretty good one. Um, it's going to be a $50 Amazon gift card. So buy whatever the heck you want. I know I buy something on Amazon like literally every other day. <laughs> so, That's not good, man. I know. I know. It's bad. But that Prime, though. Uh, so the winner will be announced in our next episode. So episode 32. So the rules for this giveaway is you must subscribe on YouTube and leave a comment on this particular video. This one. This one. This one. Just this not, one. Not the next one, not the one before this one. This, this is the only place we're going to check. <laughs> so, I mean, you can on the other ones, but we're not going to look at that. <laughs> but please leave a comment beneath in this video with how to reach you, preferably your Instagram handle or even Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, is fine, I, I suppose, but we don't have a Twitter, but we'll make one if the winner had one to contact you. 
but preferably an Instagram handle. Yes. So this giveaway will be open until this coming Saturday. So that will be July 20th and it will close at midnight uh, Eastern time, 11 p.m. Central time and then 10 p.m. Pacific time. So with that being said, now you guys know about the giveaway. So <clears throat> comment below. And with that yes. being said, let's go in and dive into the rest of the episode. Yes. So now we're going to get into why uh, this is such a big deal and some of the complications that come along with it. So like I mentioned, if blood sugar stays too high, serious things can happen. It can also too low as well. Mm -hmm. So like, just think about it. Glucose is the main fuel for your cells. And if these cells aren't getting fuel, bad things happen. There's no fuel going in. There's no energy going in. So things are going to not work properly. Mm -hmm. So low blood sugar can lead to shakiness, uh, feeling nervous or anxious, and then sweating, chills, and like clamminess, irritability or impatience, uh, confusion, fast heartbeat, uh, dizziness, lightheadedness, hunger, and most importantly, coma. But <laughs> another thing is high blood sugar can also lead to fatigue, headaches, blurred vision, frequent urination, which is actually one of the telltale signs that you do have diabetes is frequent urination, increased thirst, and most importantly, again, coma. <laughs> <laughs> so chronic high blood sugar can lead to blindness, kidney failure, and amputations. And I can definitely hold true with that because a lot of my patients in dialysis uh, are yeah. diabetic and they have necrotic body pieces that are amputated. Yeah. So this is mainly because blood capillaries in this area are already, they start to become small and even more fragile. So when you have these huge globs of glu glucose just floating around, it's just gonna cause even further damage to that area. Mm -hmm. Ergo, that's why you have necrotic tissue going on. Yeah, exactly. So you want to keep your blood sugar under control is the main point of all of this. Right. Uh, so now we're going to talk about how to manage um, type 1 and type 2, but getting into type 1 first. So at its core, like type 1 diabetics management is composed of, again, blood sugar and blood glucose management, exercise, and nutrition support. So Again, type 1 diabetes means that your pancreas is no longer capable of producing insulin. So through either daily injections with insulin or an insulin pump or something like that, your blood sugar needs to stay within a certain range and it just needs to be monitored. So mm -hmm. you just need to work carefully to figure out like uh, what foods will not cause major spikes. And you just need to always make sure that it's in a specific range, but normal like when you eat a meal, your insulin is supposed to go up. A little bit after that meal, it's supposed to go down. Again, mm -hmm. this doesn't happen in type 1 diabetics because no insulin is being produced. Uh, exercise is also a key component of even type 1 uh, diabetic care. Um, there's other benefits, obviously, that come with being active. And having exercising just helps keep your blood sugar more stable overall. Even if you just go for a walk. Yeah, exactly. And just not be sedentary all the freaking time. Right. 
So another thing in managing type 1 diabetes is nutrition, It, like you said, is one of the most important pieces of solving this puzzle management. Mm-hmm. But, but mm-hmm. learning how different foods can affect your blood glucose and how to manage that with your daily routine is really important because as we know, some foods have a higher carb content versus others and some release. Mm-hmm. Some cause major spikes in blood sugars right away. Some cause gradual spikes. So that's important to pay attention to. Mm-hmm. And working with a registered dietitian who has that expertise in type 1 diabetes mm-hmm. is really important in establishing a personalized eating plan. And that's a really good place to start. So this will probably include a strategy for balancing food, insulin doses, and physical activity. And again, like I said, a dietitian can help provide you that guidance. And then people with type 1 diabetes are at a heightened risk for mental health issues too, believe it or not. And this Mm -hmm. includes diabetes stress because you're constantly trying to make sure your blood sugars are within range. And then depression, anxiety, and disordered eating. However, these are all treatable disorders. It is important to pay attention to your feelings about having diabetes and taking care or just taking care of someone that has diabetes. Make sure to talk to your physician, a diabetes educator, or basically anyone that you feel comfortable already in your diabetes care team. They can help mm-hmm. connect you to a mental health care uh, agency. So whether that be a counselor, a therapist, a psychiatrist, or even just a social worker, mm-hmm. it's important to talk to somebody about this because it's a really big deal. Uh, this this disease it requires a lot of effort so it's important to have that extra support and it's not just like you know it's every moment of it's every meal you know every time you eat it's something that you need to be aware of and it's a lot it's a lot to handle so Mm -hmm. just having a good support network is very helpful Mm -hmm. Uh, so now we'll get into type two and Obesity is the number one indicator of uh, type 2 diabetes risks, but it's not appropriate to just say don't be obese, you don't get diabetes. Like We've already talked about um, the issues with BMI in past episodes, and you know these categories are extremely outdated, so just by saying, oh, if you're um, anything above the normal range for BMI, you're going to be more at risk for diabetes. Right. It's kind of outdated information. Um, Rather, it's much better to just focus on overall diet quality and lifestyle patterns. Mm -hmm. And the absolute best way to manage and kind of alleviate the risk for diabetes is to focus on losing unnecessary body fat. And I want to emphasize unnecessary because Again, like we talked about in past episodes, the BMI categories don't really account for body types and lean muscle and that stuff. So focus on the unnecessary body fat. We all know what that is. (laughs) So So this is best. This is probably best achieved with a high quality diet, (laughs) physical activity, ground baking. I know. But... But decreasing the amount of processed sugar in a diet can obviously help keep that blood sugar under control because that's already a really concentrated source of sugar anyways. And physical activity can increase insulin sensitivity, which is awesome for type Mm -hmm. 2 diabetics. Mm -hmm. 
um, like I said, go for that extra walk. And also, this increasing your physical activity level will make the muscles want to uptake more glucose and it will decrease that blood sugar. And there is another piece of puzzle that comes into play in the management of type 2 diabetes, and that's fats. Dietary, not physical, physically fat. So <laughs> plaque buildup can line the arteries, mm-hmm. making it difficult already for the insulin to get glucose into cells, leading to that insulin resistance, which can cause issues for people that already have um, issues with high cholesterol and triglycerides and stuff like that. Right, so, right. So is it reversible? Type 1, definitely not. Again, mm-hmm. this is something you're usually born with, and it's just your pancreas having a hard time. Unless you get a transplant. Right. Uh, how common is that, really? Uh, not that common. I, I, um, yeah. For I type mean, 1 diabetes, I, unless there's other issues with the pancreas i i mean i i've seen people try to go get transplants and they can get pancreas transplants for type one yes interesting but Hmm. i have not like like i said i've heard of it um but i've not come across anyone that has received it i mean i'm pretty sure that's because bigger problems can happen with the pancreas so they want to save those transplants for those bigger issues but type one it can be managed you know right it's just work and it's inconvenient at times (laughs) sir but right if you take care of it and learn to live with it you'll be fine you'll live a long happy life like it's just a matter of like taking care of it yeah Mm-hmm. So type two is type two reversible. Well, it's like kind of debatable, but you can never really like reverse it. It will always be lingering, but you can improve the like spectrum of insulin resistance. So by like by making lifestyle changes, you can kind of manage it, whether mm-hmm it's not like you're going to turn back time and like make it go away forever again. It's always going to be lingering, but it's a spectrum. And Mm -hmm. if you implement good diet and exercise, you can move down that spectrum of insulin resistance and making just helping your body out a little bit. And it really depends on how long you've had the condition for, if you've had it for 20, 30, 40 years, it's going to be really hard to, you know, fix insulin resistance, but if you've only been, if you're pre-diabetic or you've only been diagnosed for a year or two, you can definitely, you know, if you make some major turnarounds in your life and start even just taking that extra walk and taking out your processed sugars and stuff, you can make some major progress. Right. And depends how severe it is. Again, it's a spectrum. Um, And then just your genes. There's so many underlying factors with genetics that some people will have more success managing insulin resistance and some won't even if they're both taking the right uh, precautions. So, Right. And I do know that, um, I mean, obviously, if, if your foot starts to blacken, it's a little too late. To <laughs> right, right. But yeah. uh, I don't know. It's just you can never really... Like, I've had a patient um, 
who he said, oh, I'm not no longer diabetic. I stopped being diabetic like 20 years ago in my head. I was like, well, you can never really like stop being diabetic, especially considering that this guy is having symptoms of gastroparesis, which if you guys don't know what gastroparesis is, mm -hmm. is when basically diabetes can cause nerve damage and a lot of that nerve damage to your GI tract um, can slow basically digestion right. and um, leading to issues of nutrition absorption and different nausea, vomiting symptoms and stuff like that. So it never yeah. really goes away. Unless you like, unless it's like, right, it doesn't ever really go away, but if you catch it early enough and start doing the right things, it doesn't have to be that bad. Right. <laughs> you don't have to become an amputee. <laughs> like there, right. you can take control of this and get things going in the right direction. Like just because you've been diagnosed type two diabetic does not mean you're going to have all these issues and lose your eyesight and, you know, right. screw up your kidneys and get your feet cut off. Like that doesn't right. have to happen. Right. Because you've been diagnosed does not mean you've been, that that's your fate. You can take control of it, but mm -hmm. it'll be lingering. It's, a point, it's actually important to note that being proactive with your health is very important and not just in means for eating well and stuff like that. It's also important to go to your checkups with your doctor to make mm -hmm. sure because sometimes he can even let you know, hey, your blood sugars are getting a little high or sometimes he might even let you know, hey, it looks like you might be pre-diabetic, which right. a lot of doctors mm -hmm. are already doing right now. Oh, yeah. And oh, yeah. Once you know that, then you can think, okay, what can I do to help? I need to change something. Not, yes, what can I do to help prevent this even further? So just making sure you're taking care of you, which mm -hmm. sometimes we forget to do, is really important. Um, the thing is, too, you know, insulin resistance, even though being obese, is, like the current research says being obese is the biggest risk factor for becoming type 2 diabetic, there's also like that skinny fat category that can right. be insulin resistant just the same. So even if you feel like you physically look okay, if you have poor diet, poor exercise, and your sugars and A1C are through the roof, you've and you're had urinating a lot. Yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. And it smells, you know, because <laughs> mm -hmm. the telltale sign too is that it smells kind of sweet. sweet? Yes. Diabetes mellitus, mellitus is like Latin for honey or something, mm -hmm. so honey smelling urine is a very telltale sign. Mm -hmm. um, you could be at a normal BMI but have extremely high body fat and be insulin resistant just like someone who's in the morbidly obese category, so you want to be proactive. Very important, and honestly... If you're listening to this podcast, you probably have a general idea of what you need to do or what to yeah. look for anyways. Yeah. Sometimes it is easier than you think it is, but actually- Most of the time it is. <laughs> yes. Yes. Most of the time it is, but actually implementing these lifestyle changes and everything else is honestly going to be on you guys and, and us as a matter of fact. Right. Right. Make sure we're- together <laughs> yeah yeah there's times where like I get in these funks of like eating like garbage for <laughs> a 
couple of days, maybe a week, or not exercising, and I need to, you know, head check myself too, because it's not, you know, one or two days. It's, you know, a constant thing that choices every day. Yeah. But we do want to give a social media shout out today to the vegetable spirit. So those food picks, though, are like amazing. So (laughs) she is an RD to be, and I believe she's uh, graduated from Virginia Tech. So thank you so much for listening. We see y'all out there. We definitely keep keep an eye out. Yeah. So that uh, concludes our episode for today. And again, um, we mentioned an announcement earlier. So if you missed it, that means you were skipping through. So go back and listen to the episode. (laughs) (laughs) That means you skipped it. So we're not going to tell you what it is at the end. So go back and listen. (laughs) We said that in the beginning. Um, But yeah, thank you guys so much for listening and we'll catch you in the next one. Bye guys. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Keeping It Juicy podcast. Your main squeeze in nutrition. Don't forget to subscribe so you can join us every Tuesday for a brand new episode. Also, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Keeping It Juicy Podcast. We'd love to hear from you, so please leave us a review. Five stars, no less. On whatever platform you're listening to, or send us an email at keepingitjuicypodcast at gmail.com. Or if you have any topics you'd like for us to touch upon, shoot us an email. Until next time, don't do anything that I wouldn't do. I... No! You are it!